0: Welcome to the Creative Financing Podcast and create some terms.
1: Hello and welcome to the Creative Financing Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Gallegos, here with...
2: Jeff Rappaport.
1: And today, guys, we're going to be talking about negotiations um, after you've submitted an offer. Uh, So, and handling objections, really. Um, So, Jeff, uh, he just barely mentioned this to me, so uh, I'm guessing that you have a deal you're working on right now where you've had to do a little bit of that. So let's talk about that.
2: So really, actually, the reason that it came up is um, I am trying to, we we constantly get um, negotiations or objections when we make offers, right? Um, We pre-screen a seller, we gather as much of the information as we can, then we put together offers through an LOI, then my acquisition manager sends that LOI, And then tries to have a conversation with them where he can walk them through each offer and how they would work. And sometimes we don't even have that conversation because they won't pick up the phone. Sometimes they email back and just say this, that, or the other. Like, hey, I like this option, but this. or um, So there's this interaction. And one of the things that I, I just talked to him about is that. I want him to handle more of that negotiation or overcoming those objections. And um, so I put together like five or six uh, what I feel like are probably the most common things that come back. And I'm actually going to do some training with my acquisition manager next week on exactly this. So I thought this would be a great, you know, quick and easy way of how i would deal with some of these and now that way you feel confident when someone comes back and says well what about this or i want that so
1: i love that so i'm going to be kind of writing these down as you say them okay uh
2: so we just had one and literally it was an email that was sent back to us said yeah we'll take option number two Uh, but we want 20% down and then they listed the amount exactly. So we want like $60,400 down and What happened is my acquisition manager would then come back to me and say, well, what do you want to do? And, uh, I don't want that to continue to happen because here's what I would do. I would potentially go just modify the LOI, and we'd resend it. But I I can tell you right now, I'm not paying 20% down. It's not happening, okay? This is a single family home. Uh, There is no way that I'm going to get 20% plus from an owner occupant. Uh, So there's absolutely no reason for me to just go modify my offer. I'm just going to increase the down payment slightly, And then they're going to come back and say, no, I want 20% and this is going to be a dead deal. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. That's how we've been handling. And it's like, no, no, I want you to have a conversation with them. And here's how the conversation should go, in my opinion. Hey, great. I saw that you you are interested in our option number two. Um, That's awesome. We would love to work with you. Um, It sounds like you have one issue. Um, immediately when I heard that they wanted 20% down, that's a pretty interesting number to choose, right? It doesn't seem like it's because I need that amount of money. It's probably because they've heard in the past that, um, if you do owner financing, you should get 20% down. And then they literally had the exact number of what that would be. To me, right away, I'm thinking they don't necessarily need this money. This is a trust issue. This is that we don't know who you are, and the more money we can get from you, the more we trust you. Would you agree? Yeah. Yep. Okay. So that was the first thing that went through my mind. And so I would say to him, so I wanted to talk to you about this 20% down. Um, Is there a reason why you're looking for 20%? Is there something that you're going to use that money for that you need it for? Um, Or is it really more of like, hey, you don't know who we are. You don't trust us. And I I would just come out and ask them. And most likely they'll say, well, yeah, we're afraid that um, that you're not going to do what you say you're going to do, or you're going to wreck our house. Or, you know, that's our insurance policy. And I would say something like, I totally understand that. I get it. Here's what we can do, okay? Most likely, Mr. Seller, we're not going to be living in your house, right? We're not going to be owner-occupying it. Um, we've got to go find that buyer. And in our experience, what we're going to do is we're going to find someone with about 10% down. That's kind of the market, what what the market says. Every once in a while, we find someone more, but we, we're confident that we can find someone with 10% down. We're going to get paid from our buyer. So we can't pay you really more than what we offered you. But in reality, we're going to treat this almost like a rental as opposed to a sale. You're not going to, we'll we'll probably do it as contract for deed. So you're going to remain on title. Um, If you were going to rent this property, you'd probably get $1,800 and an $1,800 security deposit. I'm like, what does that protect you against? Here, you're going to get, I don't know what it was, 14000 or something like that. Um, yeah, it's probably like 13, $14,000, 15000 uh, That protects you against a whole lot more. But here's the key. If we're successful, and if all the rest of the numbers make sense to you, and you had a problem, And that is what you're concerned about, right? If you had a problem. If uh, the buyer was to stop paying is probably the biggest issue, is that correct? And I might do a little more phishing, like, hey, well what what could be the worst problem that you could encounter? And let them identify the problem to me. And but I would tell them, look, we're gonna be we're gonna end up being your advocate. We'll go find that buyer and we're gonna pre screen them too. We're gonna try to make sure that, you know. They can refinance the property within the amount of time that we're offering to you. We're going to have a credit check, a background check. We're going to have a meet with a mortgage broker. But let's say that it does go bad somehow. By the way, in the last five years, we have not had one default. Can't guarantee that there won't be one, but we we have a pretty good track record. But let's say it went bad. We won't go anywhere. We'll be your advocate. You call us. We'll either help you through it so that you can resolve it quickly and easily, or two, we'll take over your position and resolve it for you. We'll be the person that fixes it. Now, all of a sudden, am I addressing anything about the 20% down?
1: No, you're not. I am addressing
2: the trust issue. Okay. Um, If he told me, yeah, I need 20% down because I'm buying this trailer and I need forty eight thousand five hundred dollars okay that's a little different story and then i'd probably just say look that we can't do that this is a deal breaker for us um and here's why and then i would go into the same kind of conversation Yeah. yeah but a lot of people one of the the issues with what we do is that we typically have to get in light Light, you know, little to no I shouldn't say no, but on occasion, no money down, but the less money down, the better for us, yeah, and um, you know, the more money a seller wants, the worse for us, and twenty percent down on a single family home is a no- go, um, yeah, and then the only other thing that I could probably say to him is like, if I made them a subordination offer, so maybe they own nothing or very little on the property. And I made them a subordination offer. That's the reason why I make a subordination offer is because I can offer them more money down that way. In which case, look, I can't make option number two work if you're adamant about getting that money. You need that money. However, we potentially have another option that would work. And now start addressing, well, I don't want to be in second position. Okay, Well, let me ask you a question. Where's your equity right now? You owe about $45,000 on this property. If you sell the property, who gets paid first? Well, the bank, okay. Well, that's exactly what would happen if you were in second position. Your equity is behind your bank loan. It's really in second position. The only difference here is that you won't be making this payment on that first mortgage. You will receive it all. It's like you just took out a HELOC without a payment to you. Right. Your equity is still secured in second position. That's the only difference. And then try to overcome those trust issues, those you know stigma issues with a subordination. Um, and if I can't get up past that, then it's like, look, it doesn't seem like we're going to come to terms um, I, I'd, I'd love to stay in touch with you because if something changes, I'd like to be able to help you. And then we're done, right? We've yeah. explored the different options that we can work out that would make it work for him. And then we move on, but that's a whole lot better than me <laughs> just submitting a new offer. You know, adding $2,000 to our down payment and that's it. Right. Cause we'll yeah. probably not even get a response back.
1: Right, right. Yeah, it's just not significant enough, and really, it's not even the issue, like you said. I, I, if it's
2: that's trust, my that's my guess know, if,
1: if it's trust, then you just need to you need to position yourself as their advocate.
2: That's right. So, um, and those are the things that uh, we will get a lot more deals accepted if. My acquisition manager will have that conversation rather than you know let's modify the LOI and resend
1: and then send it yeah yeah yep. for sure okay yep. so we want we want twenty percent down or more money down or
2: down uh, what's yep. the second is the interest rate is too low <laughs> so maybe you're making a principal only payment maybe you're making like that my hybrid payment of two and a half percent interest or maybe you're even just offering a 30 year amortization loan with like 4% interest and they're paying 4.45 on their underlying loan. Yeah. So really the reason that, that the way that I would address this is that, okay, Mr. Seller, it sounds like it, we're, we're fairly close on on working something out and creating a win-win situation, but it sounds like maybe you have an issue with the interest rate. Can you explain to me what's what's the issue? Well, you know, I just don't understand why would I pay more on my underlying loan and yeah, you pay me less. Well, I I totally understand that. Um, You know, one, it's not in our best interest to pay a high rate of interest. Uh, It's not like um, you know we're avoiding going to banks to begin with. Uh, So, but in reality isn't whatever we're offering you probably, it, you're making more on your property than you would normally make. It's become it's becoming an investment for you. So you're making money either on your equity or on your debt. So you are three years, five years, seven years into this loan. Your principal pay down is going to be more than what our principal pay down is to you, if we've amortized it. if. We've done our hybrid and probably won't be so we probably wouldn't use that argument <laughs> but ultimately really what i want to do is point out to them that the interest rate isn't very important what's more important is the bottom line what are you going to gross or net for this property over time and show them some of the benefits of Hey, even if I'm offering them two and a half percent and they're making two and a half percent on their equity, is that better than what they would be getting, putting it in a a CD for a year for, you know, a bank account for a savings account? Most likely, yes. And it's secured by their property that they're most familiar with. And so interest rate doesn't come up that often on occasion. uh, Interest rate just to me is very insignificant in terms of this negotiation. Um, and you know, one of the things I think people will try to do is, well, all right, so I offered you 4%. You know, If I offered you four and a quarter, you know, would that get this deal done right now? Um, and certainly you can go that route, but I'd much rather look at trying to explain to them the benefit that they're already getting Based on whatever interest I might be offering, Um, and if I'm offering only, you know, principal only, um, I would then go to, hey, it's because I'm offering you such a good price. I'm offering you top dollar, and I can move quickly, and uh, you have all the different benefits that I can offer them that way.
1: Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, and just comparing it to, hey, well, go park your money in the bank, and how much are they going to give you? Yep. Yep. I can give you a little more than that. You know, right? So, so,
2: yep. that's a great argument. Okay,
1: what's what's the third, uh, okay. third is, objection?
2: I, I want a shorter term. You offered like three years, four years, five years. I want one year or two years. Um, I, I don't get this very often. Um, uh, most of our offers are, you know, a three years. Sometimes people say, well, I'm willing to carry for one year or two years, but, it doesn't come up that often. And uh, so the first thing that I'd want to say is, okay, is there a reason why you need a shorter term? Is there something that you need with, well, I just don't want my money tied up. Uh, Again, now maybe it becomes more of an explanation of, hey, you know, the longer that your money is tied up, the more money you're making, most likely, depending on the offer that we've made. I mean, if I'm offering them you know, even three and a half percent amortized over 30 years, you know, that money's starting to add up. Um, whether it's three years, four years, uh, and my response might be is like, wow, I'm really kind of surprised. Um, uh, you sound like you are a very um, shrewd business person, and it would make sense that to go longer than shorter. I mean, you make more money. Uh, yeah. You know, if if this was a rental property, it's like, you know, it doesn't sound like you're looking to 1031 exchange into something. Mm-hmm. So as soon as you sell this, you've got a tax benefit or a tax consequence, and if we spread this out, that's the longer you get to pay off that tax consequence. On top of which, you're making additional money to help offset that tax consequence. So. I don't know if it really, you know, unless there's a true reason why you need that money quicker, I can show you all these reasons why you should probably want a longer term as opposed to a shorter term. Right. Ultimately, if they say, well, you know, I, I just think that, hey, in two years, I want to retire and I'm going to need that money. It's like, all right, so normally, I want a three-year minimum term because um, I don't really want to put, It's one thing if we're doing short-term financing and we need six months, eight months, that kind of thing, that's fine. It might be fine if we're doing this as like a burr method where we're getting in with owner finance, we're going to make some repairs, we're going to raise some rents and then we're going to refinance. But it's a whole different story if we're trying to put an owner occupant in the property or we're selling to a landlord that it makes most sense to, to hold this property for a few years. So they might say, hey, um, you know, I'd go two years, but I can't go three. And three is kind of my, my minimum. Um, so I would say, well, what if we compromise? What if we did this? What if we write it up as two years with an option to extend it for an additional year? But to get that extra year, we'll pay you a $1,000 principal only payment, a $1,000 extension fee. Uh, 1,500, whatever, depending on the price range of the home, um, but somewhere where we can get to that additional year, and if I'm wholesaling it, that's part of their their deal. You've got two years with the option for an additional year, and that additional year is going to cost you, um, but now you can plan ahead. Ultimately, you still have up to that three-year period of time to to get it refinanced or sold. So yeah, shorter term, that might be a common. great solution. What's up? That? that might be a
1: great solution right there. Just add yeah. an extension option. So yeah, we'll give you the two years, but will you, can you give us an extension option? So if at the end of that time, we're not able to refinance yet, and we need a little more time, we have that option. And yeah, it might cost us a little more, but you know, at least we can, we have that there.
2: Yeah, looking back at yeah, you know, and the reason that I say this, and we should have done this on the deal that we sold to you, um, because we knew that it was going to be a pretty decent size renovation, right? Um, yeah, so what, than I
1: anticipated.
2: Yeah, so what we should have done is I think we agreed to, like, seven months, right? Yeah. Um, and what we should have done is just said, hey, we have the option to extend for three additional months for $500 a month. And most likely, he would have been fine with that up front. Yeah, even if it was a thousand dollars a month, whatever, cheaper than going and having to get you know cash hard out, money, the hard money, and yeah, <clears throat> um, you know, so especially when you know maybe the, the time frames are a little tight, so put it in and then ask for the extension, and um, yeah, you know, and extensions don't have to have a fee, uh, but it makes it more enticing to the seller for sure and it doesn't yeah. have to be a lot right um so that's an easy way to deal with that okay subordination was that yeah we, we just talked about that having to go into second position we talked about isn't your equity already in second position if there's a loan on the property um uh you know it's really no difference except in this case you're making the payment on the first and the in our case, we'll be making the payment. So, uh, uh, you know, not a big difference in terms of security. Uh, if I'm going to carry the contract, I want a higher price.
1: I was actually just listening
2: to uh, what's that? Is that the fourth objection? That's five. So, we five. had asking for more down payment. Yep. Interest rates too low. Right. Shorter term. Yep subordination, and then this one. If I'm gonna carry the contract, I want a higher price. Okay. So I was actually just listening to a YouTube video um, in the last 24, 48 hours, and Ron LeGrand, um, been around forever, um, you know, he's the one that was my first real teacher, mentor, and, you um, we we don't we don't do things exactly the same way. It's not unusual, investors. Uh, I wouldn't expect that anyone listening to this podcast will do everything the same way that I do. Uh, you know, you, you develop certain concepts and then you figure out and determine how you want to deal with them. And uh, he was talking about when he creates terms, he always wants a discount, no matter what. He won't pay full market value, no matter what. Um, uh, He's got to get a discount, and if he doesn't get some kind of discount, then he will walk from that. And uh, I am not quite the same way. I may be willing to pay retail price or, or even above, depending on what kind of terms we're able to, to come up with. But if someone came to me and said that, hey, if I'm gonna carry this contract, I want a higher price, I would say, what kind of price are you thinking? well, if I'm going to do this, I want $10,000 more. I I would say, so if I can make that happen, I would have to tweak some of the other terms. Are you okay with that? I mean, would I be willing to pay someone $10,000 more than retail price for their property if the rest of the terms suit me? Yeah. I mean, all day long, every single day.
1: We've talked um, about
2: that multiple hey, times. What, what if I did, hey, all right, I'm going to pay you $10,000 more and I was going to pay you $1,000 a month with simple, you know, that, that hybrid interest of two and a half percent. All right. Hey, for the first year, I want no interest. Um, and, you know, hey, I just paid down the mortgage by 12000 After one year, we're already back to where I wanted to be. Um, so, I can move around some of the terms depending on what the underlying mortgage is and what the underlying mortgage payment is but price is like the least of my concerns um, you know, I remember making an offer I didn't get this done, but it was like a I think it was like a thirty unit apartment building and she was adamant she wanted two point three million dollars and Uh, I made her several offers. I mean, we just kept going back and forth. And um, you know, I want a higher interest rate. I want want this price. And I said to her, what is most important to you? And she told me, purchase price is most important. And I said, what if I offered you $3 million for this property? She's like, no, I wouldn't believe you. And I said, I can, I I need a long enough term and I need the, the other ter- underlying terms to be what I need them to be, but I could pay you this much a month for however long I need it, but I'll pay you $3 million. And she thought about it. Yeah, it's like, I'm offering you $700,000 more than what the property is worth. Um, now, why would I possibly do that? Well, if I'm buying it or I'm wholesaling it, as long as I hold this long enough, it doesn't matter, right? Um, I mean, I have sweet terms if it's like principal-only payments on a thirty-unit apartment building that will net me a certain cash flow every month, and it's being paid down. Now I just got to make sure I own it long enough, where you know it makes the most sense that I can get it right side up with some equity. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the only issue becomes is. Hey, if I want to sell in three years, I won't, it'll be upside down. So purchase price is like the least of my concerns completely. Um, uh, And I'll explain. I can raise the price, but I might have to modify some of the other terms. You okay with that? I might have to extend the amount of time that we do it. I might have to modify the monthly payment and or the interest rate and or the down payment. So purchase price is not much of an issue. Uh, and the biggest thing I would say is, what do you want? Let's let's get you hooked on why we should do this deal. Yeah. Okay.
1: You might have to modify some terms a little bit, down payment interest rate, or just the holding time. That's right. What's more important? <laughs> okay.
2: okay, there's one more. And then, you know, anything that maybe that came to your mind, Jonathan. Okay. I don't wanna do owner financing because I have an underlying loan and I'm afraid of the due on sale clause. Okay. Ever heard that one?
1: No, I haven't.
2: (laughs) No. It doesn't come up a whole lot, um, but it does come up. And so one thing that you could do is say, is that a major, first thing again, always ask a question, right? Let's get to what the real issue is. Yeah. What is it that you're concerned about? Well, what if they called the loan due? Um, well, what, what's the worst case scenario? The, the burden's gonna be on me or my buyer, right? not you. Um, I, I realize that you don't want to lose your property and certainly we weren't we wouldn't allow that to happen. but the burden would be on me you know who put down a bunch of money and has been making monthly payments and you know, I'm the one that has the most to lose. Um, you can always, you, you have the equity in your property, you're, you're, you're protected. I said, second would be that how, how much do you think banks want to call loans due? Um, right now you're a performing loan. They're collecting interest, which is why they're in business. They make loans and they collect payments and right now your loan is performing. For them to call the loan due, they would actually have to put you into what's called a non-performing loan. And that means that they are penalized, that they can't lend out a certain amount of money. So if you owe them $250,000, I think it's seven times that amount that they no longer can lend out. and a non-performing loan hurts the bank, right? Now they're not collecting that money. They're not collecting interest. Now they're gonna end up potentially, I mean, worst case scenario, they could end up with this property. That's not what banks do. So a lot of times banks may make that threat, but almost never will they carry it through. Yeah. Um, And then third would be is, hey, if that is seriously like the major issue maybe we could look at doing contract for deed or land contract where title doesn't transfer. And technically we're not really violating the due on sale clause. Yeah. Or without doing that, Hey, there's some precautions that we obviously don't want to alert the bank to um, anything. We don't want any issues with the bank, but if there were, you can see that there's really no reason for the bank to call the loan due, right? It would make no sense, but you know, we, we can make sure that, hey, you don't call them and tell them that you've just transferred the ownership. Um, you know, if you alert them, they're going to do something about it. Uh, we're not going to change the insurance because you know that will alert the bank as well. Um, and as long as we continue to make payments, you know, we'll have a third party escrow service, um, collect the payments and make the payments, basically just like a property manager would. And uh, as far as anything else goes, you know, everything remains the same. Bank continues to get their monthly payments, you get your proceeds and everyone is happy. Right if um and yep hey how about that hey i've done this for however long you've been doing it and if you're new hey i you know i work with other investors that have been doing this for 19 years literally i've had one loan called due one and it, it wasn't even called due they contacted me and said we know that you own this property and i said yep i do and they said well we want you to assume the loan and i said what would that entail? And they said, just sign a few papers. So they didn't even look at my credit. They didn't do anything. And I did it. Um, why? Cause they asked me to, and it was no big deal. Um, I have a friend, Dave Kenny, who we've interviewed before on our podcast, does a lot of creative financing. He's been doing this 30 plus years and he's had one loan called due, And it was only like a few years ago and it was chase. And they sent him a letter and they said, um, we're going to call the loan due because we understand that the property has been transferred to you. And we're going to exercise the due on sale clause. So this is what he did, nothing. Because for them to exercise their due on sale clause, they have to stop taking your monthly payment. So every month that you send it and they accept it, is one month they can no longer exercise their due on sale clause. So think about it. Would they really be turning down your monthly payment and then collecting exactly what they should be collecting as a performing loan or sending back your payment and saying "Ah, we'd rather have this as a non-performing loan? Really not much of an issue.
1: Yeah, it's like how likely are they to do that?
2: (laughs) Not very likely. Um, awesome. But but would I go and tell them? No, I wouldn't. Would I alert them? No. Unless you want all kinds of issues with banks? No, but don't do that. And make yeah. it clear to the seller. Look, as long as you do your part, I'll do mine. We won't have an issue. If we do, I'll resolve it. And really, right. what, what ways could we resolve it? We can continue to make payments. And as long as they accept it, it's resolved. Yeah. Um, yep. Could I... Any buyer that buys on a wrap with an existing loan should know that there is a due on sale clause on the underlying loan, and that hey, it's possible that that loan could be called due. So now all of a sudden, their three-year term might become a year. That's something that they have to resolve, and uh, uh, something can be worked out almost right. always.
1: Yeah, and if you just you know tell them that the likeliness of it it's 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 almost non-existent really i'll
2: I'll tell you how 80 percent of them get called due Uh, it's pretty simple um the seller tells them um uh, after the fact which is totally foolish or two they change the insurance Uh, almost always one of those two things right
1: yeah Cool, well, I think that was really good uh, you know very insightful um and I think Jeff, you should do a video uh, a video training for it if what? you
2: uh, training for what
1: uh for your ass for or for talking to your acquisition manager oh, yeah, maybe, yep. yeah, well, think about it if you were to bring on another acquisition manager and uh you know. In a different market, and they're going to have the same objections there in that market. You can say, Look, here's a training video, go watch this, right?
2: Yeah, you're probably
1: right. So, that (laughs) I don't know, that'd just be my recommendation, but yeah, yeah, I think that's great. Um, there there aren't any like the the only other like objection. No, I I can't even think of any other objections. I mean, just I know some people, uh, I
2: mean. it's going to surround one of those few things if you know, the only other one would be is I don't want to do terms and you know now you've got to decide whether um you know I've been working on this deal and I actually just put it under contract last night and I, I I've had it under contract before and I couldn't move it it's an upper end income property and uh I have, I have pushed for terms because I can for sure move this property with terms. and But he will not do it. And I don't know why. I've tried to have these conversations with him, but they won't do it. So he just came back to me. It's probably been six months since we've had this. And he came back to me and he's like, hey, I found a lender that'll do this or that or whatever. It's like, I, I'm telling you right now, I, I, I'm not going to pay cash. Um, do you want to look at terms and he's like what do you have in mind and I'm like look I can do even a short term like a year and um, uh, you know, I, I don't believe that he needs the equity out of this uh, you know he's just he's a real estate agent he uh, maybe he has certain you know, st- he stereotypes owner financing in such a way I, I don't know but he won't do it. And uh, I actually literally sent him something that said, "Look, I'm not going to be the buyer. Um, uh, I'm going to try to go find that buyer. And uh, if he would have taken this short-term financing deal, that we, we absolutely could get this done. Um, but he t- once again took cash, and it's like." Look, give me thirty days. I'll see what I can do with it. Um, it is almost fifty thousand dollars less than when I had it before, but I'm I I am willing to go and deal with every objection he has. He just won't give any to me, and that 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 sometimes is the hardest thing. Is that tell me what the issues are so we can address them as opposed to. Um. Yeah, you, know, you just don't want to do it. And yeah,
1: he's just like eh, I don't like that option.
2: Yeah. it's like, well, tell me why. Yeah, I uh, don't. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs>
1: yeah, you can't. You can't do. It. I mean, like you said, you can't. You know, you can't make to fit every hole. Like, like you, we don't have the option in every scenario, and we've talked about that uh, multiple, multiple times on the show, right? Like, there's. Not every deal fits, you know, the creative financing scenario or what we need to buy it at. So yeah. sometimes you just got to know when
2: to walk away. Well, and I, I did walk away, um, but I did get a significant discount, and uh, it's it's a deal. Uh, whether I can move it or not, it's a high end duplex that um, actually has two mother in law apartments, so it's really like a fourplex and. Um, and it's big so uh, but the terms would uh, the terms would have made this like a no-brainer uh, yeah. uh, but again I, I can answer objections and I can negotiate and I will get more deals accepted. I will not get all deals accepted. There will be times where it won't I can't. I can't get them to do what I would like them to do. They want to do whatever they think they want to do. And you're right. Some point you gotta say, hey, enough is enough. I gotta move on, decide if they're gonna be in your follow-up system or not. And maybe you have something like this where six months later they come back to you and say, okay, we liked you the best. (laughs) So uh, here, do this. Yeah. They,
1: they should be in your follow-up system absolutely. And guess what? The longer it takes for them to sell a property or you know the longer their property sits on the market or the more time they spend trying to sell it, as months and months go by, they're going to gradually become open to taking terms. Yeah.
2: Because they can't mm-hmm. move the property.
1: Right. So that don't I mean time only works in your
2: favor you know, if they're unable to- As soon as he contacted property. me, the first thing I'm like, so are you ready to take- that? Terms? Yeah. <laughs> are you ready to take payments for your equity? And that was almost the first thing that came out of my mouth. Yeah. Uh, yep. Uh, and
1: he said no. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> like, okay, well, my offer
2: price- I is gotta keep trying. Now,
1: $50,000 less.
2: Well, let's see what happens in 30 days if I don't get it sold. It's like, hey- it, and he's not that motivated, right? Um, the property's rented, it brings good cash flow for him. It's not uh, a huge issue. It's actually his wife's property and they built it to live in it. The wife's parents died. They were living in one half and uh, the other half was for them. And uh, the parents died or the, the dad died. The mom moved out, it's too big for her. And the daughter just had too many you know, issues with living there now. And so it's just a rental, but it's not like they, they don't owe as much. Um, it's a good income property. It's new, it's like three years old. Uh, they built it, and, but it's super unique. You Can't find any comps for it. Um, that's been their issue is that, uh it should be worth a million plus and you know they can't get an appraisal on it so yeah uh, so give us terms that's how we can solve this issue <laughs> yep well cool you uh, keep dropping the price
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah we'll just keep coming in lower every six months Yep. every six months you come back to us that's right well, awesome i think uh, i think this is a great episode uh, especially for those of you who are out there um practicing creative financing or submitting creative financing offers, because you will get these objections. And um, at least now you kind of have some direction on as to where you can go. And uh, these objections will be in the show notes um, along with kind of the answers uh, that Jeff provided. But I love the fact that you just answer you, you ask a
2: question. So if if you learn anything from this episode, force yourself to do that what this is what we want to do we want to educate like you tell me there's a problem oh let me address the problem here let me tell you what we're going to do how we're going to work it out what you end up doing is trying to solve a problem that didn't even exist because you didn't take the time to truly find out what the issue is yeah 20 is not the issue i'm telling you it's not in this case it is the trust issue and If I can get that to be brought out, now I can address it. If I just start talking about numbers, I'm addressing the wrong issue. I'll I'll probably create new issues.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You're probably only going to get them further. So yeah, I love the fact that you just, you ask a question to get to their underlying concern um, because that's not always going to be on the surface and, um, you know, their objection might be this, but really it's the trust like you talked about. So I, I think that's, that's crucial. Like Jeff said, if there's one thing you've learned from this episode, it's ask another question to find out what the underlying concern is. Dig
2: deeper, stop um, yourself from trying to fix the problem immediately. You know, yeah. uh, uh, just take three seconds and think, question, ask a question, right? Yeah. That's gold right there. Actually. Yeah.
1: And especially in any sales process, right? Any sales process out there, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta squeeze out their uh, objection, and then you gotta address that, um, and you gotta solve it, right? And then, and then the sale will move forward. Yeah. So, yep. Cool. All right, guys. I um, hope you've enjoyed this. Uh, if you're out there using creative financing. Um, we want to hear from you. Also, if you have deals that you're working on and you're like, even if they're past deals and you're like, hey, how would you have structured terms on this property specifically? Um, leave us leave us a message on our hotline. We'd love to bring that on the show. And uh, I can present that to Jeff and he can show us exactly what, it would, what he would have done in that situation uh, to
2: create offers. So, Uh, One of the things we could do. Sorry, Jonathan, I don't mean to cut you off, but one of the things that we could do if that if that were to happen is I won't even look at it, and we'll just deal with it from start to finish, like on the on the fly, which yeah, on the spot, yeah, everyone would do it anyway.
1: Yep, yep. I'll just present it to you on the podcast live, and and then you can uh, you can come up with some offers. So. Uh, if you're if you got anything that you've worked on before or you're working on now, um, we may not get to it in a timely manner to solve the problem for you. But uh, it, at least we can show you what we would do or what Jeff would do, uh, so that in the future um, you know you now have that tool in your tool belt. So uh, again, that creative financing hotline number is 877-409-8090, 877-409-8090. Um, you can also text the word creative financing or CFP to that phone number to get special access to Jeff's video um, that he came up with on creating offers step-by-step um, and then his Actually, stress is L-O-I in there. Um, so it's a really good video to get, especially if you're just learning creative financing. So go get that. Um, you can find us on the web at thecreativefinancingpodcast.com. And uh, we're on Facebook at the Creative Financing Podcast and then YouTube, the Creative Financing Show. Uh, any last words, Jeff?
2: My goal for 2020 is to help 25 people get to where they wanna be in the real estate business. Uh, if you're interested in our apprentice program, give us a call, I'll explain what it is. It's a good fit, we want to work together. If not, no, nope. no high pressure, no sales, nothing. Uh, I wanna work with people that want to learn. Awesome,
1: yep. So just uh, call our hotline, hotline number and just mention that you're interested in the apprenticeship program specifically and Jeff will give you a call back on that.
2: Hey Jonathan, really quick before we end, you know I, I want to thank you. I, you know I don't know if you get enough credit for everything that we do here because you know we we don't plan these uh, plan these out ahead of time. Really, um, I don't give you a heads up of what we're going to talk about. So I just spring it on you, you know, right before we go, and you've got to be like, uh, you know, and I put you on the spot a lot, and. Um, so I, I wanted to thank you. I think that uh, you know, there's no way that this podcast exists uh, without your um, being able to see where this could go. And, uh, you know, I, I think a well overdue thanks. And hopefully everyone out there, you know, realizes that, hey, if it weren't for you, this doesn't even, there is no that creative financing podcast <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah well thanks for that jeff i do appreciate that i really do um and i know i i know i had to talk you into it um so yeah you're you're right it you know if if uh if i didn't kind of persuade you in the beginning um yeah it, at least you know this show with you in it and 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 uh, with what we talk about wouldn't exist. So okay. yeah, I, I do a lot of the back end work, guys. If you don't know, Jeff is, uh, he's all the knowledge and experience and I leverage that. And I do all of the tech work, you know, I do all of the podcast editing. Um, I do all the show notes, all that stuff. So I kind of do all the technical end of, of things and that's kind of my role. And it's been a good fit really for both of us yeah, because awesome. I'm learning from Jeff and, um, you know, no, there's I'm not more... learning
2: how to do all this. Yeah. And he doesn't <laughs> have
1: learn how to do all that. Stuff. And, and it's minimum, you know, it's a minimum time commitment on, on Jeff's part and more of a time commitment on my part, but I'm okay with that because, you know, I, I get to learn here and, uh, and we get to share it with, with our audience.
2: So we get to just bring value. Yep. Well, I, I do read some of the, uh, I actually read all the reviews. So if you haven't rated us and reviewed us, please do so. I mean, that only helps us get to a bigger audience. Uh, but, uh, I am appreciative that they do recognize our listeners do recognize that you are, you know, this is a partnership. It's not about me. It's about us. And, uh, so I appreciate that, but I just wanted to let everyone know how appreciative I am because I know how much you've got to do to put this all together and, uh, without you this doesn't exist so cool uh, yeah well thank you jeff for that
1: all right guys Till next time go out there and create some terms